You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. It has been an awesome privilege and joy for us to partner with this church for over 36 years. We go way back even before that. Some of you have heard of the first pastor of this church, Wilford Young. He married us 35 years ago. Nancy's dad, my wife's dad, and Wilford Young were best friends in college. And Nancy's parents were supported by this church while they were missionaries, so Nancy was supported when she was born. 1959, both of us were born that year, so you can figure out how old we are from there. I'll let you do the calculation. When Nancy came as a missionary to Nigeria in 1982, Chick Koloski was the pastor here, and this church took her on 39 years ago. And then I came along in 1986. We were married up in Binghamton, New York, by Wilfred Young. And this church has supported us all 39 years. It has been such a joy and a privilege, and we continue to partner with you, and we continue to enjoy that privilege of being with you. I just want to thank you. A few months ago, Pastor Mike mentioned that from the church funds, they were able to help missionaries with things like computers. Guess who was one of the ones that benefited? We came home with computers that were on the brink of complete collapse. And somebody in this church saw that and asked for the permission to buy us new computers. Thank you. I want to read a scripture this morning that's familiar to all of you. Notice the underlined or the highlighted words in this scripture. Those of you who've been with the Lord for a while, you will know this passage and you will want to follow along with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Can we go to the next slide there? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray together. You endured for us, Lord, for the joy set before you, for all the millions and millions of people who would acknowledge you as Lord and come to the throne and say, I receive your forgiveness offered in Jesus, offered through the cross. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for going through those difficult times for us. We can't even imagine. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I've entitled this message, Persevering When the Going Gets Tough. I'm going to be sharing from some of our experiences over the last 36 years in Niger. And I'm going to be telling you about some of the things I've learned about how to keep going when it really gets tough out there. 
I know the last year has been tough for all of us. It hasn't been an easy road to go through this pandemic and all the violence and all the, all the difficulties we face in the world and in this country. My heart breaks when I think about all these things that are happening. And yet, I know that Jesus went through similar things for us. And we can persevere in these times and find the victory in Jesus Christ. Someone has said that Christians are like tea bags. They're no good until they've gone through hot water. A 19th century British Christian put it this way, George Mueller, the only way to know strong faith is to endure great trials. God has not promised us an easy life as Christians, but he's always promised to be with us. Amen? How many of you out there like to run? Any runners out there? Hey, good, good, I got some runners. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, the rest of you are like, nah, only if I have to. <laughs> um, Hebrews 12.3 is an image from the world of sports, particularly running. Um, the original root word there in the, in the Greek is the, 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 uh, the word agona. Yeah, I know some of you non-runners are saying that describes it perfectly for me. Perfect agony running. Yeah, that's right. But um, actually, the word means um, a striving or a struggle in a cause that's important, noble, just, right, and good, such as the gospel and the church and in the Bible. A supreme effort. Uh, there's a proverb in the Songhai language, um, the language we've learned in Africa, that says something like this. When you see an older man running, he's either chasing something or something's chasing him. Which it basically means um, you don't do something for nothing. You're, not ru you're running for a reason. Um, and as you know, as we go through this Christian life, this is no sprint. It's not a 100-yard dash, not a 100-meter dash. It's a marathon or even triathlon. <clears throat> so if you noticed in the um, original reading of the, of the passage, I highlighted the word race and I highlighted the word endure. This word endure or persevere appears in each of the three verses, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. You saw that in the first verses. It means a perseverance or a patience an active persistence, a determination, standing firm. Christians are called to persevere in their faith. What does that look like? I'm going to give you some examples from our own history. This is not to build myself up, <clears throat> but I want to show you some things that have happened to us and how God has sustained us. When your wife nearly dies in childbirth with your first child in Africa. You persevere. When three years later, now with two small children, she nearly dies of malaria, you persevere. Now, I have to say a few things about this slide. You're probably wondering, did he go a little senile and put the wrong picture with 
What does the flat tire have to do with malaria? Ask us sometime to tell you the story about how God ordained that we should have a flat tire in order not to miss the rescue party that unbeknownst to us was coming up to help us as I was trying to get Nancy to the Capitol for medical attention. If it wasn't for the flat tire, we would have missed the rescue party of flat tires and the sovereignty of God. That's the chapter in the book you're, I'm going to write someday. Two more things to say about this. Nancy's brother died of malaria in Africa at the age of four. So all I could think about as I was trying to get her to the hospital, get her to the capital in a semi-conscious state was, please, Lord, not another one of the Hall children. The second thing I want to mention is this. We found out a few months later that the Sunday before this incident, which happened on a Tuesday, the Sunday before, we were prayed for by name in this church. Your prayers are important for those missionaries, and you just prayed for them now. But you prayed for us. You, those of you who are here on September 20th, 1992, prayed for us that day. When your daughter comes down with asthma as a young child, you persevere. She had numerous, many physical attacks of asthma during our time in Niger. And I need to add one thing to this story as well. God healed her instantly at the age of 17 of asthma. She's never had an asthma attack since then. And she was having many just before that time. When your son, in his teenage years, develops epilepsy, have you ever seen anybody in an epileptic fit? It's scary to watch, especially when you're not very close to medical attention. You persevere. Danielle still has the epilepsy. It's under control with medication. When you yourself suffer from allergies so bad you can't even sleep, or you develop reactions to medications that are so painful, this happened this last term, that you could barely even move. When you suffer from burnout, I have suffered from burnout twice, and have numerous panic attacks, you persevere. When six men who had formerly made a profession of faith to follow Christ all returned to Islam, you persevere. The greatest disappointment of our 36 years in Niger. When over 80 churches are looted and burned by angry mobs, notice the fans all melted from the flames that we're in the building. You persevere. When floods submerge the Bible college where you teach twice, not once, but twice, 
you persevere. 2012 and 2020. When you can't leave the capital city, Niamey, because of security reasons, that was our whole last term, we could not leave the capital, you persevere. All right, you say, yeah, you're maybe a missionary, you're a super Christian, you know, you can do that, but how about me? <laughs> how do you do that? What do you do to persevere when the time, when the going gets tough? How do you handle all that? I can say this, you can't do it by yourself. It's not possible without the grace and the power of God and the call of God on your life. It's not possible. If you're not a Christian today, this is not, you don't have the power to do that. But I think this passage gives us some clues as to how we can persevere when the going gets tough. There are three things in this passage I want to mention. The Bible mentions more, but I want to talk about three of them. But before I do that, I want to give a quote from Elizabeth Elliot. How many of you have heard of Elizabeth Elliot? You know who she is. She was the uh, wife of one of the five missionaries killed by the Wadani Indians in Ecuador in 1956. And she wrote this, faith's greatest, most severe tests come not when we see nothing but when we see a stunning array of evidence that seems to prove our faith vain. If God were God, if he were omnipotent, if he had cared, why would this have happened? That comes from a book called These Strange Ashes, which was written about her time before she married Jim Elliot. Her missionary experience before Jim Elliot. It's always been a book that's encouraged me because everything that could go wrong in her ministry went wrong. And to the day she died, she didn't know why. She could not explain it. So how do you persevere? Just grin and bear it? Just, you know, work up your power and say, yeah, okay, I'll just be a martyr and keep on going. Sometimes I felt like that, I'll be honest. But there are three ways I want to, I want to um, highlight today, this morning. <clears throat> one of them relates to the past. One of them relates to her, where we are right now. One of them to the future. But all of them affect our lives actually right here, in a, here today, 26th of September, 2021. So the first one is to remember. Now, um, you are aware, of course, that Hebrews 12 follows on Hebrews 11. Does that make sense? Okay, Hebrews 12 comes after Hebrews 11. 12 follows 11. Yeah, you all, you all got that. So the word that was used there in the Greek was witnesses, or in the English is witnesses. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And the original word in the Greek is actually martyr, those of you that know Greek. In the original um, language, a martyr was a person who testified of Christ. So in that sense, we're all martyrs here in the church, every one of us. We are all people who witness to Christ. As years went on, of course, the, the those who testified for Christ became identified with those who testified in front of officials and then were killed for their faith. And so the word became associated with those who die for their faith. And that's the way we use it today. But originally, the word martyr is the word witness. <clears throat> 
And this is talking about Hebrews 11 with all those saints mentioned in the Old Testament. Abraham, Moses, David. They were commended for their faith and their faithfulness. Not their success, not what they did. God took all of these zeros and turned them into heroes. They had faith in God. Of course, we could add all the people that have come since that time. Church fathers, if you want to, if you want to say the church mothers as well. Origen, Tertullian, Augustine, Perpetua was a woman who was killed for her faith in North Africa. All these names I mentioned are from Africa, by the way. Of course, we could go up to the Reformation and mention Martin Luther. We could mention John Calvin, John Knox, the Wesleys. We could come to our own time and mention people like Billy Graham, John Stott. All these witnesses are standing up around us and watching us. That's what I think this passage is actually saying. They can see us. And they're cheering for us. There's a race I really like to run in the city of Manchester, Connecticut. It's where my parents lived for 30 years. It's held on Thanksgiving Day every year. This is the last time I was there. And in this race, it's not real long, about 4.6 miles, goes through this, the streets of the city. Got a long hill in it right in the middle. It's a killer. It keeps going up a little bit and then flattens out and a little more and then flattens out and a little more. <sighs> Got to get your lungs all good up and up ready for that one. But there are 20,000 runners in this race, including some world-class runners. But what's really most cool about this race is the spectators. You can see the picture. It's hard to distinguish the spectators from the runners in that picture. There are 50,000 spectators lining the streets all the way through town. And they're shouting out, people in, our, in Manchester know us, some, some know me, somebody sees me, go John, go, you can do it, you can make it, keep it up, keep up the pace, don't stop. That's, that's how I picture these clouds of witnesses up in heaven looking down on us in our race. They're cheering for us. They're saying, go John, go, you can do it. You can make it. I know, you've, I know God is with you, and he's going to give you the strength to do it. They've run their race. They know what it's like. They've kept the faith. They were faithful witnesses, and they're applauding us. When I get down and I'm struggling with what's going on around me, I remember what God has done for these saints of the past. That's one way to persevere. But you can also remember what God has done for you in the past. And one of the things that I would do in Niger is I would think about our supporters, you. And I would remember, you're behind us, you're praying for us. Therefore, I know that God has given me the strength to keep going. Remember what has, God has done for the saints in the past. Remember, you can go on to the next slide. <clears throat> remember what God has done for you. And also remember who you are and whose you are. Your identity is in Christ. And you are secure in him. And then, of course, when you remember those things, you want to be thankful for what God has done. You know, church, if we forget 
to be thankful. We're going to start griping, complaining, moaning, as the British say, and groaning. And you know what? We, our relationship with God gets a little more distant and a little more distant, and we become like the Israelites in the wilderness, always griping, always complaining, and forgetting about the benefits that God has already given them. Do you do that? Um, I know I do. Let's remember what God has done for us and the saints of old. But the second thing, the second way to persevere is found in the next part of the passage where it says this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, so, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So in the present, what we've got to do is discipline ourselves. You know, as a runner, if you're going to run a race, you can't just get up one morning and say, I decide I'm going to run this 10K. Uh, I think you're probably going to have a problem. Don't know if you're going to make it even, depending on how much shape you're in. That's not the way you run a race or get ready for a race. You've got to prepare. You've got to discipline yourself. You've got to train. As a runner, we know that sacrifice is important to winning or to getting a, a good time in your race. <clears throat> it takes concentration and consecration. It takes energy. And sometimes when you're preparing for a race, it's not a choice between good and bad, but between good and best. Think of a runner running the Olympics. We've just all seen the Olympics. It's tough. A race isn't an easy thing to run. It takes time. As Christians, what's our discipline? Now, what I'm going to say right now is nothing new to you. You've all heard this before. It's been preached from this pulpit many times. We've got to be students of the Word of God. As Christians, we are all theologians in some sense. We've all got to read and study that word and maintain our relationship with God. And this doesn't happen overnight. We want to have things instantly in our culture. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Maturity takes time. You can't do that in 10 seconds. Now, that doesn't mean your quiet time or whatever, however you do that, has to be more than 10 minutes or less than 10 minutes. It's got, you've got to maintain that relationship. Whatever you do, you've got to be students of the word. You've got to be praying. You've got to be fellowshipping with your fellow believers because they will also keep your fire lit. And you've got to be maintaining that relationship, developing your gifts and your talents and using them in this church. Thanks for the, worship, the praise team. Love the music here. Going to miss it. <clears throat> The, the writer of the Hebrews talks about the weights. Have you ever seen a marathon runner carrying two sacks of cement and a, and a backpack full of books? You don't want to put on too much weight when you're running a race. You want to keep the weight down to a minimum. What are the weights that can throw us off or keep us, hold us back? There is a lot of distractions in this world. 
aren't there? I'm holding up something that you're all familiar with now. Don't get me wrong. I am not opposed to any technology. During the pandemic, this was a lifeline for us of contact with people here in the United States. My mom, who is in a retirement facility in Connecticut, 96 years old, was basically in solitary confinement for a year during the pandemic. My brother, who lives 15 miles away, couldn't even visit her. But she can do Facebook, believe it or not. And I was able to contact her every week on Facebook Messenger. Isn't that cool? Who would have thunk 30 years ago that we could do something like that? Praise God for technology. You know, but, but, how much does this control us? I'm convicting myself here. Please don't think I'm just saying to you, you know, be careful. How much time do we spend with this or any other device that we could be spending on more kingdom priorities? How much time do we spend with technology and the messages that are coming at us all the time? How, much, how many of those worries out there just weigh us down? How many of those family difficulties just, they, they, they just hold us back? And even, even things can get in the way that are not necessarily not important, but they're not the most important thing like politics and government. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but I'm saying what is the most important thing? We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. The gospel in the church of Jesus Christ is the main thing. And whatever your political philosophy, we've got to agree on that. Secondary issues can divide us, but let's keep our eyes focused on the main thing. We need to strip off what distracts, diverts, or prevents us from finishing our race and persevere. And then the author of the Hebrews mentions the sins. I don't have a lot of time to go into that. What holds us back as far as our sins are concerned? I know that everyone in this church, including myself, has a besetting sin that keeps dogging at your feet. Confess it, receive God's forgiveness, and get back in the race. Third thing, and this relates to the future, but it also has important things for us to say to us now. It says, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, looking to Jesus founder and perfecter of our faith. What's our goal? What's our finish line? Or maybe I should say, who is our finish line? It's Jesus Christ. One version says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. As a runner, this says to me two things. First one might not be evident to you, but it's kind of a negative thing. When you're, when you're running a race, there's a cardinal sin that you never do, and that is you don't look back. Why? Because you can easily trip, 
and fall, and it slows you down. You do not look back. How does that apply to us as Christians? Paul mentions this in Philippians. He mentions all of his qualifications. You know, I'm a Jew or a tribe of Benjamin. I, 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 you know, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I've been circumcised on the eighth day. But then he says, all those things I count as loss. What, why, for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. That's what's important. Those accomplishments, those things, God will use them. God used those things in Paul's life. He will use those things that you have done, those experiences that you've had, but we do not need to look back and boast about them or have regrets about them. Those things are not what's important. It's not about me. It's about God. And don't compare yourself to others. Another thing it's easy to do when you're running is to look around and see where everybody else is. You don't, you don't want to do that. You're taught never to do that. You keep your eyes fixed on the goal, and that's the positive thing. You keep your eyes fixed on the finish line. If you can't see the finish line, what I do is I look for a, um, a, a marker somewhere, a tree or a sign or something, and run toward that. When I get there, go on to the next marker until I can see the finish line. Jesus is our goal and our example. He suffered and faced opposition. Why? For the joy set before him. Not just the rewards he was going to receive, but you know what? He knew that there were going to be millions of people like us who were going to be his co-heirs with him in heaven. And that is the joy that we all work for. I can't wait to introduce you to some of my Christian friends in Africa when we get to heaven. Can't wait to do that. It's going to be such a joy to be able to say, here, I'd like you to meet this person, and this person did this in my life, and this person here did this in my life. You're, it's going to be such a great, joyous reunion. I mean, of course, Jesus is going to be the focus for all of us. But I know that we're also going to be able to see my dad, who passed away 12 years ago, Nancy's mom, who passed away during this past term. And we're going to be able to see all those, we're going to be able to talk to some people like Paul and Moses and ask them the questions that are burning in our heart. Why did you do that? You know, or what happened there? Can you tell me more details? Because the Bible doesn't give us all the details. It's going to be for eternity and we can do that. When we meditate on Jesus, it makes persevering a whole lot easier. Because every, what he did for us goes way beyond whatever we're experiencing, whatever we've had in our lives. And that's one thing I've had to do over and over during the pandemic. Just remember, Jesus did this for me. He died. He had those nails put in his hands and his feet. He had his side pierced. He had the crown of thorns on his head. He was mocked. He was spit on. Why? For me. For you. For all of us. Ah. Oh going to be a glorious day, isn't it? So let's, let's remember what's happened in the past. Let's discipline ourselves and keep doing that under the power of God. And let's fix our eyes on Jesus, our goal, our finish line. That's a runner's perspective on Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Now, just about done here.
Many of you know that we are returning to the United States and we're going to be living in the United States as more, on a more permanent basis. We're going to be moving this week to Dayton, Ohio to live near our children. Just one aside here. Our son-in-law is a police officer in Dayton, Ohio. If you know anything about what's happened in the last year, that should start triggering some things in your minds. And it has been a rough year for them with all the things going on. That's not why we came home originally, but it's added to it now. We're going to be across the street from our grandkids for a few months until we can find a house to buy. And we're going to be starting up new jobs. Nancy's going to be working with our SIM USA personnel department. She worked as a personnel coordinator in Niger, so she knows all the tricks and inside, inside and out of the personnel system. I'm going to be a consultant for theological education for French-speaking Africa. <clears throat> we are going to miss Grace Bible Church. This will be our last time to be at Missionary Retreat Fellowship, at least to stay there on a more permanent basis. We have been there eight times. And this church has meant a lot to us over the years. Some of the members of this church are among our best friends. Oh, we'll only be nine hours away instead of, by road instead of 18 hours by air. So we can come back and visit. And we plead with you, invite us back. We'd we want to come back and be here and just enjoy the fellowship with you. We will come back, but we won't be living in this area from now on. This is hard for us. This is the big move for us now. Coming here after coming from Africa was like being in our second home. Yeah, we're going to be with our kids. We're going to be with some people we know, but it's going to be a huge move for us. And I have really mixed feelings about leaving. So as the praise team comes up, I would like to close by reading... I would like to read to you this, the words of this song that Twyla Paris wrote quite a number of years ago, entitled Runner. This kind of sums up what I've been talking about during the message here. It goes like this, courier valiant, bearing the flame, messenger noble sent in his name, faster and harder, run through the night, desperate relay, carry the light carry the light. Obstacle ancient, chilling the way. Enemy wakened, stoking the fray. Still be determined, fearless and true. Lift high the standard, carry it through. Carry it through. Mindful of many waiting to run. Destined to finish what you've begun. Millions before you, cheering you on. Godspeed, dear runner, carry it home, carry it home. And the chorus goes like this, runner, when the road is long, feel like giving in, but you're hanging on, oh runner. When the race is, war is, war is, run is won, you will run into his arms.
Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you give us strength for the run, strength for the battle. Glorify your name in and through us. For the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the church that is your bride. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.